Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight, and keeping up with the spoopy boys over the interwebs because social distancing. I got Freddy. Hey, how's everyone doing? Hey. Hey. <laughs> How you hey. doing? I'm doing pretty good, hey. sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> Also known as Nighty Night. Other other in there, we got David. I might be haunted. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's he told us some pretty pretty interesting stories that might. Hopefully, he's not. But he he's been prepping for this for a long time. He says. <laughs> also known as Nightly, we are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film and to break down and discuss the ultimate question: Why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife, and that's night with the what? K. That's right. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, keeping things going, this is the third movie for this month, and honestly, I've been having quite the time. <laughs> trying to figure this whole month out with these fucking movies. <laughs> you could <can> ask Freddy. <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> I've been having a time trying to figure out what the hell are we going to do with these types of movies here. But this is still Dead in the Sun month, also known as our summer horror movies. And I was having a little bit of some trouble trying to figure out, like, okay, like, what movies do I want to put on here? I had Jaws and all this other stuff, but I have plans for those movies for greater months that make more sense for it, even though Jaws is still a perfect summer movie. So I was like, okay, well, instead of me being so hitting the nail on the head of this has to focus on summer and summertime, 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 I was just like, screw it. We're going to do vacation movies and also summertime movies. So with all that being said, tonight, the film we are discussing is 2003's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Correct me if I'm wrong, Prince, but do you love this movie? Um, no. Okay. I love this movie. I like this movie, cool. but okay. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not in love with it. I don't know why um, I had thought that from just rum- rummagings of listenings in the past, I thought you'd love this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie. When I watched through it, I was like, does Prince love this movie? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Uh, but, I mean, first and foremost, let's just jump into it. Our thoughts. What are, what are our thoughts? Uh, this this movie wasn't my slice of meat. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> it wasn't my slice of meat, too. <laughs> I can imagine for Freddy, because, Freddy, you're not for the torture porn, right? No, not really, not at all. But at the same time, like the way it's filmed too is kind. Of, okay, I feel really bad saying this, but I was like laughing more than I was scared at this movie. Oh no! So I was like, oh man, this movie. And then like my roommate was like somewhat near me, and I was like, yeah, I can't watch this movie, but I kind of have to watch this movie because I do a podcast. But yeah, <laughs> yeah this is yeah not my slice of meat as well. But so it was still I, entertaining. Like I watched yeah, I think it. there was I think there was really cool shots and camera work that was pretty cool for 2003 and that has aged pretty well. Um, and especially with like um, really emphasis on eyeballs and lighting and things like that, which um, create this cool sense of dread. 
Oh, yeah. What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to be brutal. Yeah, no, I watched the, uh, the 1973 one, right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> 74, but yeah, close enough. Oh, 74. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, there a lot of times I was like, oh, it's too much torch for me, too much gore. And also, like, it seemed like violence for the sake of violence and like of course it's like a slasher right um texas chainsaw massacre exactly expect, you know? <laughs> I, I so i should i should give this preference that i had not seen the original so i don't know how faithful this is to the original and i'm sure for 74 that uh synopsis of like let's have this intense like slasher where there's just a bunch of violence going on like i'm sure for the time it works really well um and I think I actually really had high expectations because of the name associated with the movie, right? I've, I've heard about this movie my mm-hmm. entire life. And mm-hmm. I had really high expectations because it's that title is so renowned. Um, so I was really curious of um, why we decided to watch the 2003 version versus the 74 version. But I'm guessing it's probably more huh. summer focused. Uh, both of them are. Okay. Um, so both of them are, are technically based in the summer of August. And um, the main reason why I didn't choose the 74 version is because I have that also planned for a a more appropriate month. Got it. Uh, Because we're going to have an actual slasher month. And initially the slashers are going to be based off of like the godfather of slashers. So Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Nightmare on Elm Street, so on and so forth. Gotcha. Halloween, all that jazz. Makes sense. That's one of the reasons why I also didn't choose Friday the 13th as well, because once again, that kind of lump sumps inside of the the holy grail of slashers or not the holy grail, but the mainstream slashers is what I'll throw those in. Uh, Because to me, there's a lot of better slashers out there. Gotcha. Now, I actually do enjoy this movie. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I like this movie is because of what it did. And this movie is actually really important for 2003 and even i was telling freddie i was just like nope this is still a very massively hated movie a lot of people (laughs) do not like this movie and it's completely understandable and that's completely fine uh the only thing is no one could say that this movie is not important and the reason why my damn cat's like going under the couch (laughs) the reason why this movie is so important is because of what it did in the early 2000s. So this movie came out in 2003. That's before Saw. Yeah. That's also before Hostel. So technically, this is before Torture Porn. Yeah, so I um, was thinking about that while I was watching. I'm mm-hmm. like, yo, for this being a 2003 movie, I feel like I'm watching a, like a 2009 movie. Um, yeah. So I give it props for that, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this movie had decent cinematography for a slasher film but this not only did uh strictly that excuse me but this also spawned a range of remakes of slashers this was the first remake slasher since the 1970s oh damn we did not get halloween yet we didn't we didn't get any of that stuff because halloween was still doing sequels at the time oh um they had i think the last one was h2o which was yeah. that, that was the 20th anniversary one, and that was the last one. But other than that, we haven't had a major resurgence of slasher films. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 started that resurgence. After this movie made so much money, they're like, holy shit, Like we need to start getting these fucking slashers back because <laughs> people want slashers again. Yeah. When they, they didn't, it was just the time. Um, because, 
I mean, what was going on in 2003? We had the war in Iraq going on. So all we were seeing were just all this violence and stuff like that. Two years before that, we had September 11th. So people didn't want to travel or do things for the summer and stuff like that. They wanted to stay home and or maybe even just drive to a summer uh, destination. But this movie came out at around that time where it was just, well, fuck, let's see what we can kind of do and, and, and see how this is received when it's initially shown again. Um, but at the same time, like I said, this movie definitely has flaws and I see all of its flaws, but I enjoy it what it did because I'm, it feels like I'm watching a piece of that history again. Yeah, and yeah. for me, that's where I'm just like, okay, great. Like this, this actually makes me feel like um, I'm back in 2003. Cause when I, I actually did watch this movie in 2003, I was obviously way too young, but <laughs> I was in middle school when I watched it. And when I watched it, yeah, fucking scared the shit out of me <laughs> but the main reason why it scares people is mainly because the whole based on true events and things like that um do you guys know what those true events are not really no um i know a little about it but not like the whole story i just know like a sure. few people died via chainsaw actually no it. one died from a chainsaw really um so yeah no one died from a chainsaw so this is actually a, a man by the name of ed Gein. He was a serial killer in, um, well, I can't really classify him as a serial killer because he only killed technically two people. But he robbed graves and he would desecrate all these different graves of these women. And initially what he would do, he would actually skin them uh. and wear them and so on and so forth. The reason why he got caught, someone saw that there was a nipple on his belt. Oh, I have heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and when they went into his house, initially, that's how it was. Like, meat was hung up in the kitchens and, and shit like that. So, um, that's where the, the initially the idea of Texas Chainsaw Massacre came from. Came from the inspiration of the serial killer. And on top of that, like, it, it just makes these, this crazy-ass concept of like wow like i wonder what is real behind this like what is the real part because it yeah. says inspired by true events um and it's literally just an inspiration from the serial killer who did all this hein these heinous acts but yeah this movie is definitely not great and it's it's a slasher and slashers are really hard for me to be great slashers are my least favorite genre or subgenre um or one of them so for me personally, I'm just like, okay, you know, you just got to take it for what it is. This is a fun ride. You, you're, you're watching this for the kill count kind of thing. Um, you're not watching this for a story. <laughs> yeah. So because initially the main story is they break down, they try to get out. That's the story. Other than that, there is no story. So, yeah, like I could see why a lot of people would not like this movie. Um, but our last movie, The Descent. Oh, that's a good movie. <laughs> yes, that's it really is. Movie. Great movie. That's Great cinematography. Fantastic movie. Completely different oh, from this movie. What? Completely different. <laughs> Completely different. Um, but Slashers, we got to admit that Slashers did a really big thing for the horror community or the horror genre in general. And that big thing was, what's the most obscene thing that people can see on screen? And people wanted to flock and go see this shit on screen. 
and it just tore it apart. Absolutely tore it apart. So yeah, I watched this movie for the history. I don't watch this movie for any other type of piece of entertainment. There are days where I'm just like, oh, I feel like watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but 1974 definitely is a bit better than this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it is the same concept. It is nothing. It's not that different from what we just saw. <laughs> a lot more screaming and a lot more uh, dealing with the family and stuff like that. There's a cool dinner scene where, uh, and you're, you guys probably remember this, when the guy in the wheelchair said, should she stay for supper? They actually do that in the first one. Oh, really? Or in the original. There was a lot of moments where I was watching this and I was like, huh, I wonder if that's a callback. I wonder if that's a callback. Is that Mm -hmm. an Easter egg? I had a lot of those moments. (laughs) Yeah, and a lot of them are. A lot of them are Easter eggs, uh, like the the wearing of the boyfriend's face and also um, the hook is a huge Easter egg. That That is a huge, huge, huge Easter egg. Um, but the person who directed the first one is Toby Hoover. And um, Toby Hoover was a fucking maniacal genius. He's directed multiple Stephen King movies. He's just done so many things for the horror genre and the horror community in general that his stuff is just bananas and considered sacred. But uh, you guys may have even remember that most of those movies that were spawned that were remakes of slashers, the main producer of those movies, Michael Bay. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> you get what you're going to get when it, when he's attached to it. <laughs> but ugh. you guys got any more thoughts about this? Sounds good. I don't know if you guys if your mics are cut off. I can't I can't really hear you guys. But since I can't hear you guys, I'm going to ask you guys to drop out and jump back in um but i'm gonna go ahead and just start what i'm doing uh can you guys hear me yep yep okay cool 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 i couldn't hear you guys for like a, a hot second same i'm still I disconnected by the way. for a minute okay all right well we're back all together again technical difficulties is this is the wonders of the internet <laughs> <laughs> The internet. It is what it is. The internet, internet, internet. The internet, internet. But let's jump into the plot. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 2003. Directed by Marcus Nispel, released October 17th of 2003. A runtime of one hour and 38 minutes, although I found a runtime that says one hour and 53 minutes. I don't know if there's a director's cut lying around somewhere, but I didn't check. Budget of $9.5 million, a box office of $107.3 million. Damn. I'm going to repeat that. A box office of $107.3 million on a $9.5 million budget. Holy shit. That is why we got the spawn of these remakes of all of these slasher classics. We got got a lot of them. They all wanted it. We got a lot of them. We got Black Christmas. We got That's obviously true. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. We got Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. Friday the Thirteenth. Uh huh. We got the Halloween reboot. Yeah, we did. And we also got those little minuscule ones. Prom Night. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. <laughs> oh man, Prom Night was so bad. But the original Prom Night's good because Jamie Lee Curtis is a serial killer, so that's fun. Spoilers. But, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's on the cover. Also, a score of 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Big 
Big yikes. Big yikes. Um, do I think it deserves that score? Um, I think they're a little harsh on it because I think they, they wanted more, more story out of a slasher flick. But um, yeah, it does pretty much deserve that score. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It's not <laughs> but, lower. I think, but like, go ahead, go ahead, I think a big part of it when it comes to slasher films, and especially back then, probably why it was so successful, and even back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, um, it's a badge of honor to really get through these films. Like to, especially back in the day, to Brad, they're like, yeah, I fucking saw this film. It's so intense. Mm-hmm. And you talk about it, you know, it's the talk of the yeah. the month or whatever it may be. If it's so popular, maybe like the talk of the season. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing, too, when it comes to slashers, one thing to really take in is the thing about slasher films it's for the body count like there there should be no story i mean it's nice when there is a story but there typically isn't and slasher films just are for the body count for the most part and if that's your thing if you like seeing the body count and seeing who the hell jason's gonna kill next or whatever yeah, go for it. Do your thing. Have fun. You know, uh, jump in there and and see these little I don't know college kids get fucking murdered. <laughs> but when it comes to slasher films, it's one of those things where you really have to disassociate yourself from it, and you're not going to get a, an hereditary from a slasher flick. I mean, you can try. Where movies like Jordan Peele's Us did a pretty good job of of reinventing a slasher film but at the same time i'm personally not the biggest fan of us so that's just how it is but at the same time i still appreciate it i think that's what it may be because at this point like you said new genres have broken through through horror and i have been so accustomed to these new expectations and these new bars where right uh it makes me want more out of slasher film um and i've i've always been the type of person where story is like king for me like i'm the type of person where i i love uh fighting games that have stories yeah. in them and most people that enjoy fighting games for example are like no it's all about the mechanics and just the actual act of fighting um but I'm the type of person where I love sense. slasher films that do have a story, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. But and you're right. Those are, those are the best ones. It's Yeah, it's um, definitely about the body count at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, that's what it's for. Like, how many kids are going to make it? Who's going to be our final girl? Let's go through our tropes. Yep. Let's write them down our list. Like, that's, that's, that is the slasher gene. And it's, it's a hard one to break because it's, it, a lot of people are used to it, but slashers also made a bad name for horror too where it's just like that's some of the reasons why you get people like ryan who thinks horror is a bad genre in general and can't be good and that's why you hear when people say oh i'll watch a good horror film well what (laughs) what the fuck does that mean like (laughs) true yeah you know you don't know if it's a good horror film if you you don't try to watch it like for example saw saw is a great horror movie that is a really good movie because it has a phenomenal story of cat and mouse that we truly haven't really seen before. But anyway, let's jump into it before we get too off tangent here. <laughs> we open with the grainy footage of these lawmen putting a body in, uh, on a stretcher into a hospital truck. Hospital trucks look so interesting in the 70s. <laughs> While doing so, the narrator is telling us about the film and what we're about to witness, saying things like, what the events are about to watch and witness are... Uh, they are true events and oh, the heinous acts in Texas, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but this is actually really cool and really important. And the reason why this is really cool and really important, have you guys ever heard, you guys know the 
the era of exploitation. Oh, right? for sure. Like black exploitation. Uh, and, and then also we had the, the, the boom of like Asian exploitation with karate movies and all that stuff. Well, there was another exploitation in there called Splatterfest. Splatterfest was really fucking interesting. Now, splatter movies are from the 60s, and they were coined by a guy named Herschel Gordon Lewis. Now, Herschel Gordon Lewis would, initially for trailers, he would use narrators like this to be like, oh, these, this is something that you can't see. This film you're about to witness will may cause uh, sleep paralysis and blah, 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 all this crazy shit that might happen to you, right? When they're initially, all his things was, were super fucking gory. Almost every movie he made literally had the name gore or blood or something of the kind. Yeah. For example, he has a, a one called uh, fucking God. What is it called? Well, what is 2000 Maniacs? That's that's one of his most famous ones. But I think another one's called Buckets of Blood, uh, The Color of Red Blood, all this whole other shit. That's how his movies work. But this is awesome that they use this for this movie for 2003 because that was a playback on how that happened in the 60s and the 70s mm. and i was just like that's phenomenal that's really really cool but typically those films are just like super wacky and they're gross it's a lot of sex and honestly they're just wild <laughs> <laughs> um these fbi agents find these bodies um uh, all around them kind of in, in this little section of like the uh the swamp uh then they show us the hewitt house which in the original it's called the sawyer house so i don't know what the hewitt came from but maybe hewitt pecker <laughs> looking all types of horrifying we see pieces of 1300 found pieces of evidence 1300 damn it's a lot it's a good amount god damn yeah that's a good amount. Good amount. That was found in the Hewitt residence. This woman puts police footage on a desk while the narrator is telling us nothing was more compelling than what they saw in these tapes. When it was really just like a little short piece of footage of these dudes getting fucked up, but whatever. <laughs> uh, we cut to the police footage of an officer going over what they found August 20th of 1973 in the Hewitt house headed into the furnace room which I just referred to as the basement. He shows uh, scratch marks on, on, on along the wall, then some hair and fingernail uh, trapped inside the wood. Him and his camera guy continue moving closer into the room. But I will admit that this has one of the fucking coolest noises to me in any slasher film ever. Slasher films love coining their own type of fucking sounds or whatever. I mean, you got the one, two, Freddy's coming for you, and then you got Jason with ch 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 Then, of course, you have Michael Myers with... And then you have the Texas fucking Chainsaw Massacre, where it does not have any type of song whatsoever. It's literally just a broken-down camera. That sounds like a cat getting fucking scratched. It is wild. Yeah. <laughs> that noise, like when you first hear that in like the seventies, I wonder how people's like just mind was in that moment. Like, whoa, shit! You know, it's really <laughs> fascinating that noise that you bring that up because, like, I have always known these things subconsciously, but now that you you broke it down in a way where like this is what they love to do, this is what they will be known right. for. I'm like, wow, that's actually mm -hmm. really cool. Like, I knew it, yeah. but I never thought about it, and that's awesome. Yeah like what's going to be our our giveaway you know yep right. absolutely and that's that's the 
One hundred percent. I was just about to say that it, it leaves a footprint, and that's that's what's so genius about these fucking slasher films. Even though they're very corny and very camp campy, the genius behind them is the fact that we remember them, and for some odd reason, no matter how bad it is, it stays with us for some reason, and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, damn, that's interesting. But, well, yeah. I feel like that's mostly for like old horror movies. I don't think any new horror movies have that. If anything, the only one I can think of is The Conjuring with the clap, but that's it. Really? Oh yeah. Not not Freddy versus Jason. Definitely not. The only thing I remember from that movie is Freddy like winking his eye at the end, and that's it. <laughs> that's a huge part. Like, how do you like? How do you even remember that? Like that that, that little section happens so so very at the end, subtly at the end of the movie, and yet you remember that though. Okay, fair so, enough. It, 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 it left its footprint. I get it. it yep. <laughs> Even if the whole movie's forget unforgettable and forgettable, it just has one hundred percent. Remember, it it sure is. God, that movie's bad. Oh, that movie's bad. But that, but wink, that fight though, scene was really fun. <laughs> what it do, Jason? Yeah. <laughs> the narrator begins talking about bizarre crimes, but we very cleverly get our title shot on those little. Uh, like those little x-ray sheets thought that was actually really done done pretty well uh we fade to black and hear a girl scream but are shown our group of young adults in a lake playing and having a good time we got aaron pepper andy kemper and morgan all while playing sweet home alabama <laughs> by leonard scanner <laughs> cut to them uh traveling in their van August 18th, 1973. Only fucking two days before these cops or whatever went there. So, all right, that's fast. But Pepper and Andy are just fucking getting it on in the backseat, dude. No fucks. So awkward. No fucks. And I was like, oh, it's, it's one of those nope. movies. And also, oh, it's, it's the 70s, so. It, yep. It's slasher films, man. What, what can you say? Yeah. Uh, you, you need it somewhere. They probably couldn't figure out a good spot for it. So you're like, oh, cool. Beginning of the movie where nothing's too much in danger. And you know what's interesting? Uh -huh. Sorry to interrupt. There's always... No, whenever... <laughs> tell me why, but I feel like whenever there's a remake and it's a... Especially when it's a summer film, there's always this mm -hmm. warm tint across the whole movie, especially across the 2000s. Oh, yeah. It's like... Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's basically they shouting... that shit. This is a remake. Yeah. <laughs> now it's funny because that's like that's the Michael Bay insignia. Yeah, right. Now, like, exactly. I, I always feel like think of Transformers. What exactly? Transformers, Bad Boys, fucking this. Even when he did Nightmare on Elm Street, it had this stupid tent when that was mainly filmed at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it still had this fucking hue on there that was so odd. And it's oh, always like digress. it's always complemented with like a really set of sweaty characters. Right, like it's, yeah. it's got, warm tone. Gotta get them sweaty, sweaty characters. It's usually like college kids, and there's always like a lot of like just sexual action going on. <laughs> oh, for sure. They over sexualized just to be on this. Oh yeah, dude. Having her show her stomach the whole time. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was right. Her ass shots, ass shots like no tomorrow for yep. her. Jeez, Louise. God damn. It looked funny Whatever. because even like her stomach was like glistening, like she was sweating. And I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" Oh, you yeah. know, like, between takes, they're like, movie. "All right, we got to gloss this up." Right. Oh, one hundred percent. This 100%. movie. That's why I was kind of like laughing. I was like, "Oh my god, they're doing that trope where like they're just over sexualizing this character to follow her along." Yeah. And, like I hope she like, wins. 
<laughs> like a, a whole nother thing about this movie too is when initially Leatherface turns on the sprinklers. For what reason? Right. No one knows. <laughs> Literally, Literally, the only reason was just to make Jessica Biel wet. Yo, <laughs> I was you know what I just think that. I said that out loud while watching. I was like, no way. He just turned on the sprinklers. It's literally just to get her wet in her fucking white t-shirt. I was like, so do you guys, do you guys remember out. the um, beginning of Scary Movie, the first one, uh, where they remake yeah. the intro to Scream with Drew Barrymore? And mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's reenacting it. And the uh, girl that's <laughs> She's in, like, being her parody... Yeah, she runs slow mo through the open lawn. It's uh, Pamela Anderson. Pamela yeah. Anderson, that's right. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. How could I forget? And um, <laughs> she straight up gets her clothes get ripped off. She's just in underwear, running in slow motion, and, then and the, the sprinklers, sprinklers turn on. on. <laughs> she starts dancing. <laughs> and you know what's funny? Because I think scary movies what two thousand. So this came out mm-hmm. after that. Yeah. Clearly, there was some inspiration. Yeah. I'm oh, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Scary movie was actually really good. But, you know, yeah. I so I recently tried watching it um, within the first 10 minutes with the jokes that were uh, being thrown out. Oh, I'm yeah, like, the jokes don't land. Yeah. How like this yeah. doesn't this did not age well. I, I feel uncomfortable uh-uh. with these jokes. Yeah. The jokes don't land at all. Mm-mm. No, no, thank you. But I remember loving it uh, back in the day. Yeah, no, I, I I do too. I definitely do. I, God, the fucking bathroom scene. Anyway, Kemper is driving with Aaron in the front seat, singing to the song, and Morgan pretty much is just watching Pepper and Andy making out. Okay. Morgan buzzkills their makeout session by talking about how Americans get STDs. <laughs> uh, because they just met fucking 19 hours ago. Hmm. Hey, I was thinking it. <laughs> Yeah, true. Me too. Kimper cracks a joke about while uh, a Kimper cracks a joke while they all continue driving down the highway. Aaron mentions that Leonard Skinner needs to play Freebird at their concert, which I thought was fucking hilarious because Freebird is like played in almost every movie. It's ridiculous, <laughs> and I think that was a joke to where I think they couldn't afford Freebird. That's funny, and. They're just like, well, fuck, let's you know, add it in there somewhere. We could afford Sweet Home Alabama, but not fucking Freebird. Okay. <laughs> Aaron Kemper, um, Aaron and Kemper have a slight fight about Kemper not proposing while they're while they were in Mexico. Kemper tells her that he is going, he's going to get her a ring someday, and hands her and tries to hand her the hand her the weed, and she proceeds to just throw it out of the window. Just like, oof, dang, rude. Morgan blurts out that they don't need need uh, they don't need to worry about the joint because they have two pounds of weed. Andy and Kemper try to shut him up, but it's too late because Aaron is clearly fucking pissed. She was not happy about that at all. Can't blame her. She has, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, you just smuggled trucks across the border, <laughs> literally. <laughs> She asks Kemper if they won't, if they went to Mexico for some weed, and he tells her that they didn't. He then asks her how much or how much does she love him, and they start to kiss while Kemper is still driving. And uh, that reminds me very much of like that scene in Too Fast, Too Furious when uh, I don't know his name in the fucking movie, but he's looking at Eva Mendez, Paul Walker, and, yeah, Brian O'Connor. Yeah, what's his name? Brian O'Connor. Thank you. I'm and here for all your he's Fast looking and Furious questions. Her. Yeah, I already know. Oh, the stop and, and stare. Like, yeah. And I was like, this is exactly, this reminds me of that. Yeah. <laughs> Just with kissing. Um, yeah, don't do that, guys. <laughs> That's dangerous. That's real dangerous. It's not that bad <laughs> if you get a hang. Uh, uh, what? 
Oh, Freddy. No. Whoa! Once they are done, Aaron is looking back at the road and yells, uh, yells for Kipper to look out! Kipper veers to avoid the woman that is walking in the middle of the road. They stop the car and Aaron asks the woman walking down the road if she is okay. The woman is not answering them, so Aaron and Pepper get out of the car to make sure the woman is okay. They catch up to her and the woman is telling them that she is trying to get away and that she wants to go home. Aaron and Pepper lead the woman back to the van and tell her that they are going to take her home. Back in the van heading uh, into Fuller, Texas, the woman is crying while she is sitting down and everyone is sitting around watching her. Aaron finally asks what her, what her name is and she answers, quote, they're all dead, end quote. Aaron looks at Kimper and tells him that they need to find a hospital. Pepper continues questioning the woman and asks who's dead. Passing the Blair Meat Company, the woman says that they are going the wrong way and tries to grab the steering wheel from Kimper. She is repeating that she can't go back there and, quote, he's a bad man, end quote, while sobbing into her legs. When she sits back, she reaches into her crotch and pulls out a bloody gun and looks at, the, looks at them all and says, quote, you're all going to die, end quote, then shoots herself. This is honestly the scariest part in this movie. Oh, for honestly. sure. This, it, this is where this movie, you're just like, okay, holy shit, I've never seen this done in a slasher before. <laughs> they did something very, very different that was completely refreshing that initially told, told us as an audience member, since it's only, what, 20 minutes in to this movie at this point, Told us as the audience member, you're you're about to see some pretty fucked up shit kind of thing. Right. If this person can't even handle driving past this place again, because they weren't gonna stop through, they're just gonna drive through. Right. And, yeah. and the, the fact that she couldn't handle that and she killed herself for it, that just makes it. That's one of those marketing tactics or whatever that they were trying to do, where it's just like you're in for a ride kind of thing and for 2003 i'm sure this definitely was a huge ride i was really young when i watched it so of course it was a ride for me but <laughs> you know uh but no this this scene is actually fucking terrifying it's actually really really scary and very 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 well acted from this woman first of all she, is. she has the yeah. weirdest name i've never heard of the name they're all dead second of all <laughs> uh, dude, she should have pulled her gun out of her cooch it seemed like it at least yeah. and that's intense um she did yeah. and it was all bloody because she stuffed it in there yeah yeah uh, uh. yeah and kept mm-hmm. it in there mm-hmm. while walking jesus that's that's why yeah. she was walking all Fuck. weird yeah <laughs> probably why she was walking so slow <laughs> oh but yeah no this is uh that was a that was an interesting scene to watch everyone is in the car, absolutely horrified, screaming and crying. They get out of the SUV. Pepper starts throwing up. Kimper is trying to console Aaron. It's fucking chaos. Everything's chaotic. Pepper starts screaming because a piece of the carnage is on her and Andy is trying to get off of her. Um, or trying to get it off of her. Um, she's like, just get off me, get off me. Um, but yeah, it was, it was gross. I'd probably be like that too if, uh, you know, flaps of skin just flew on me. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, I probably react the same way because at first I was like, girl, you're overreacting. And then I or I, I was wondering why she was screaming all of a sudden. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I could see I that. I would be the same way. I also thought that this was a really cool effect where after she 
shot herself. It's fucked up to say. But the smoke coming out of her oh, mouth. Oh, I thought the same thing. So I was I, like, that is fucking clever. As <laughs> fucked as it is to say, I thought the whole shot sequence of her shooting herself Perfect. through the mouth was just really impressive. I mean, done not, very, very well. Yeah, not only having the camera shoot through the back of her head, through her mouth, to everyone's reaction, to mm-hmm. it panning out um, or zooming They're out literally through screaming the glass. Th- yeah. And we're looking at them screaming through the hole of her oh, head man. and her mouth. <laughs> Honestly, my favorite part of the whole film. Um, yeah. As fucked as it is, I'm shocked that I'm saying all this. But <laughs> zooming out to the back of the van, through the window, all the blood spider on the glass and the it bullet going perfectly. through. And then to top it all off with the extreme close-up of her face just steaming. Fuck, yeah. No, no, the smoke was the icing you, on the cake. It was yeah. something mm-hmm. I've never like seen you before be, after someone shot themselves. You gotta be like, pretty fucked damn. up to just envision I'm, all that. How many people you've seen shoot themselves, Freddy? Well, in movies, <laughs> in movies. Right, really? Right, okay, okay. I watched The Lodge yesterday. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you literally just see... T- well, we don't want to spoil that one. Yeah. They are all trying to catch their breath and figure out what to do when Kimper suggests that they call the police. Morgan mockingly goes over how that is a bad idea since they have two pounds of weed. And once again, let's do our trope. Um little recall here so we got the jock right the jock being well i guess we kind of have two of them in a way but we got the jock being kemper or maybe maybe he could be the standalone guy who's kind of nice we got the stoner who initially is morgan we got the super sexually active chick (laughs) and then we also have i guess our fourth guy who's a, a jock as well then we have our final girl who clearly we know who the final girl from this movie is right off the bat. We know it's Jessica Biel. One, she was the biggest name during that time. <laughs> so it's not going to be anyone else. Um, and two, they really hearken on the fact that they kept talking to mainly her as yeah. if she was the leader. Yep. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That roll call, though. <laughs> Kemper goes over to him and tells him to keep his voice down and takes the piñata full of weed out of the van and throws it into the field. Okay. He goes over to Aaron and tries to apologize for buying the weed and tells her that he did it for her t- or for them so they could start a life together. It made me think, like, how so much sweet. was fucking weed down back then? Jesus. I wonder, yeah, because it's the 70s. Like, I've seen that 70s show. Apparently, weed's easy to come by. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's just like, I, like this guy made it seem like it was fucking cocaine and but, like, he was going to get thousands of dollars from selling this weed. I just, I think honestly, he was just trying to be cheeky and be cute. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And because just the volume of that can. pinata and the amount of weed that they can put inside the pinata doesn't amount to the money that they would want to have to settle with their lives. Just Freddie saying. would know. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> you're right, Freddie. You are right. She's not hearing it and she walks away from him cut back to the carnage and the dead girl in the car and they all get back in the van with her. Uh, would you guys have gotten back in the van? Hell no. <laughs> I would have started walking. It's like, cool, yeah, I'm going to walk, but it's hot. It's hot. It's blazing hot out there. In the middle of bumfuck nowhere in Fuller, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? While sitting there, Andy comments on how brains look like lasagna. And everyone gives him that stare, pretty much like, shut the fuck right. up, dude. What a dick. Not, not the fucking time. Not the time. 
nor the place. While driving, Andy sees a sign for a gas station, and they stop uh, at the gas station. Everyone gets out of the car. Pepper and Aaron go looking for a bathroom while the men go inside the market. A lady who is a clerk in the tiny of the tiny market notices them pull into her station. Kipper tells her that they uh, that they would like to report a suicide and ask her if she can phone the sheriff. Um, this place looks gross. Yeah, Just disgusting. Not a fan of that place at all. I would not walk in there. I'm sorry. Uh, meanwhile, the two women are looking for a bathroom, and they find an outhouse that is locked. Aaron picks the lock that she quotes. I have big brothers. <laughs> and <laughs> when they open the outhouse, it is just as disgusting in there as well. Probably worse. It's probably worse in the shop, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm saying it's probably worse in the shop. Like it's probably is like way dirtier in the shop versus that bathroom. The bathroom's oh, probably what? cleaner. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? The bathroom's been That's locked. true. That's true. You never know. The market's not, and it's real gross up in there. Ugh, the pigs. Ugh. Rotting. Gross. Ugh. Yep. Ugh. Ugh. Gross. Ugh. It reminds me of Fresno. We have like these they're initially like bodegas, but they're really bad bodegas. But they it, as soon as you go in, there's fucking Pig feet and all this other shit just hanging up for you to buy, waiting for you. Uh-uh. Gross. Not a fan. Not a fan. Not for me. Long story short, guys, don't go to Fresno. There's literally nothing there for you. True. <laughs> Meanwhile, the two women are looking into the bathroom and they find the outhouse is locked. Um, oh, said that part already. They use their quote-unquote, fuck that, hands and get out of there. They don't say shit. They're just like, no, we're done. Back with the boys and the clerk speaking on the phone with the sheriff. She is telling him that there is there are six of them, including the dead girl. Kimber tells the clerk that they found the girl about ten minutes west from the station, and she re- and she relays the message back to the sheriff and ha- and hangs up the phone. Impatient, Kimber asks when the sheriff will arrive. She tells him that he uh, he is at the old Crawford Mill and that the sheriff would like like it if they drive over there to re- to take their report. Um, Kemper questions the woman on why the sheriff can't meet them at the gas station, but he didn't say. Frustrated, he tells the clerk that they are going, they are not going to drive around with a dead body in their van, and she lets them know that this is none of her business, so he can do whatever the fuck he wants with that body. <laughs> what I find very Aaron, interesting, very quickly, is that they, uh, they didn't want to do the call themselves. I, I found it very suspicious that she was performing the call for them. And I honestly, oh, sure. like, as a person, I, I, weirdly, I just didn't trust her. It's weird. Um, sure. Yeah. Just because she wanted to do the call herself. Clearly, like, she, she, she looks like a character that you can't trust. But I think in a normal circumstance, I'd be like, no, let me do it. Right. Yeah. Like, like, oh, no, I could, I could do it. I mean, I can explain myself better if, you just hand me the phone, correct? Exactly. Kind of thing, and I call myself instead of me having to repeat to you all the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, who knows, man? It's like you're I, the witness. I, Why are you not the one talking to the sheriff right now about it? Exactly. Yeah. But, exactly. Hey, movies. Mm-hmm. Movies. Aaron comes up to the pass to the passenger door, and Kemper tells her to get in. She tells him that she uh, just wants to go home, and he agrees with her. He's like, eh, "That is fair." They are driving to meet up with the sheriff at the mill, um, while the body begins cooking in their car, letting wafting off horrible, horrible smells. They're just ugh. 
And of course, they hit a fucking pothole and the body falls. But, you know, um, this is actually done also really well when the body falls. Yeah. Where she just kind of slumps over, falls over, and then you kind of see little snippets of the carnage behind her head Ugh. of the explosion of the bullet. Yeah. And it's pretty wild to think about. But all of this stuff is fascinating because there's literally a person that is making this model and they initially do this for a living. And that, that is so interesting to me that they have made that. And I, it, it just felt like that was done really, really well. I couldn't do it, but it's impressive. It is impressive. It is impressive. You could do it. Like, <laughs> if you know it. it's fake, like, you don't think you could do it? I think it'll fuck with me. Really? Yeah. Hmm. All right. All right. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, the Woodstockers make it to the mill and they are calling to for the sheriff, but no answer. Morgan comes up with an idea of leaving the body and driving out of there. And to be honest, it probably would have saved their life if they would have done that. Right. Kipper recommends that they should vote on it. Aaron doesn't like the idea, but they continue uh, the voting process anyway. All of the men decide that they want to jump um, oh, excuse me. All the men uh, decide that they want to dump her body um, there, and the women don't want to do, don't want to do that. Aaron and Kemper get into an argument about dumping her, and then she walks to look. She walks to look around the mill for the sheriff, and uh, uh, they all and they all follow Aaron, and they get to a spot where they actually all just sit down. They're not tired; they just sit down and try to figure out what the fuck can we do. Um, talking about uh, talking about the sheriff not being there and pretty much their surroundings while sitting there there's a shadow that walks past the screen pepper and morgan both saw the figure pass which oops, excuse me which pepper and morgan both saw walk past them uh the jump scares in in this movie quite cheesy this one is no there's a good one later on with Jessica Biel. Oh, I'm about to say this. This one's not. This one's like, not great at all. <laughs> no, the, the I think I know. I think we might be on the same page um, on the one that is good. Yeah, I think we were breaking some barriers for that jump scare. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll visit it for sure. <laughs> Trying to convince them that they saw something, Aaron doesn't believe them and thinks that they are trying to scare her. So she decides to just go into the mill by herself. That's it. Yeah. Okay. No. All right. Yeah, that's real smart there, Aaron. <laughs> By yourself. Cool. Oh, and I love how no one follows her in either. They're just like, shit, fuck right. that. <laughs> <laughs> fuck that. I like how there were multiple witnesses, oh, too. They're like, I saw it. Oh, I saw it, too. They're like, I hate you guys. I'm going in. I'm like, what are you doing? They both saw it. <laughs> like, maybe one's joking. And like, why would... But yeah, it's just like why? Why would they both play with you? Like, like what's the point? <laughs> exactly. I was like, There's maybe no if point. one person would said it, but whatever. Yeah. While inside, she screams for Kemper. The gang all runs inside for to her aid. They uh, go up to a locker, um, and Kemper is slowly approaching the door. Um, and when it opens, there is a screeching possum that startles the whole group. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Eventually, turning their screams into laughter, they hear a banging around them. Kemper calls uh, calls them out to stop fucking around and to come out. Big man here, Kemper. Big man. <laughs> the group goes searching for the source, and they find a little boy named Jedediah. 
sitting in the mail alone. <laughs> I love that part where initially we'll we'll actually we'll we'll get to it. But fun fact about this kid who plays Jedediah. His name is David Dorfman. Have you guys seen this kid before? I don't no. think so. I guarantee you, you definitely have. He's played in The Ring, the remake of The Ring. He was the main kid in The Ring. Interesting. Um, and he's also played in just a number of countless horror films uh, during this time frame. But this guy does not act anymore. Instead, this guy is actually a literal fucking genius. And I'm oh. not even kidding. I'm not what? kidding. He was accepted into UCLA at the age of 13 what? and was admitted into Harvard Law School at the age of 18. He is 27, and now he is the legal counsel of the U.S. House of Representatives. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Not bad. He came a long All way right. from that little shed. <laughs> uh-huh. The glow sure up has. is real. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's funny because he is still hella short, though. He's like 5'3". <laughs> <laughs> Jedediah asks the group what they did to the dead girl. Oh, actually, another fun fact. You see him mostly in, like, uh, when they have those um, uh, Supreme Court stuff on TV and stuff, like with the Brett Kavanaugh stuff and all that shit. He's there, and you can see him all the time. I was just like, oh, Damn. shit. That's pretty crazy, this. actually. Yeah, fuck, fucking great fun fact of his. Um, Jedediah asked the group what they did to that dead girl, and he's like, what do you got to do to that dead girl? <laughs> they, tell them that, they tell them that they didn't do anything and that she did it to herself. Jedediah comes out and asks if they promise that they won't hurt him. Now, I kind of felt bad about that part. A bit too. It, it, it made me feel like he was definitely being abused. Yeah. Uh, the group goes into Jedediah's little cove and they and start looking around until they are startled by some pipes um, settling. We all, uh, uh, we are now all out, all, all of them outside. Aaron officially introduces himself, to, herself to him, and he's just like Jedediah. Well, looking around, all right, Jedediah. And he asks him if he knows where the sheriff is, and Jedediah nods his head and tells him that the sheriff is home getting drunk. They ask him if he lives close close to here and if they uh, could drive there. Jedediah tells them that the road doesn't go there, but it is a pretty short walk to get there. Um, This makes me think, since he got into fucking UCLA at the age of 13, let's say that, what, this was 2003, he was born in... He was 10. He was fucking 10. Damn. Damn. And three years yeah. later, he was accepted into UCLA. What the fuck? He was putting in work. <laughs> I mean, he's already God in movies. Damn. Like, he was in movies, and he still had time to work his ass off to the point where he didn't have to go to high school. He just skipped high school and went straight to a UC. What? The fuck? Wow. <laughs> that is insane. That is insane. Oh my gosh, high school must have, or college must have been real fun for him. <laughs> I just like imagine him at parties as a fucking 15 year old. <laughs> Aaron and Cooper start walking into the woods towards the sheriff's house, quote unquote. Meanwhile, the rest of the gang make sure Jedediah doesn't go poking around on the body. Added that joke in there for Freddy because he was poking the body. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I I'm glad see. you liked it after you I really, uh, stuck, <laughs> I appreciate stick, you. Stick around for that one. I don't know what ah, I'm saying. 
I don't know oh, what I'm saying. <laughs> Yo, he'll be here all week, guys. All week. <laughs> Back with the other two, and they make it into the Hewitt's house, knocking on the door and asking if anyone is home. A man yells uh, yells to see who, uh, who they are and what they want. Aaron asks if he is the sheriff, and the old man is in the wheelchair and says, Do I look like the sheriff to you? She's like, I don't know. I can't see you. <laughs> so he comes outside. <laughs> all right. He doesn't allow Kemper... Oh, excuse me. Um, uh, The old man in the wheelchair comes outside and um, lets them know that the sheriff doesn't live here, but they can call him if if they want. He doesn't allow Kemper to go inside, however, but the old man goes inside with Aaron. He dials the sheriff's number and hands her the phone, then rolls, rolls off. Meanwhile, Sheriff Hoyt pulls up into the mill. And also, this is a good point here to say rest in peace to R. Lee M- uh, Ermey. Rest in peace. Uh, he has played in countless horror films. And also, he, he's been in so many different types of Stanley Kubrick movies and all this other stuff. But this dude's phenomenal. R. Lee uh, Ermey, rest in peace for sure. R.I.P. Uh, I think he died two years ago. Oh, damn. It's uh, pretty recent. But, yeah. Um, and he wasn't a part of the, uh, you know how like they do the mo- the memory stuff and loving memory or the memoriams yeah. inside of the, the Oscars? Oscars. Yeah, yeah, he he wasn't added to it. Wow, um, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fucked up. They do not give a shit about the fucking uh, horror community at all, which is interesting. One one little tangent here. Sorry, everyone listening, but what the fuck? academy this is to you specifically (laughs) to you you guys buy out of everyone the sea of people you buy the may dress from midsummer off of a24's auction to put inside your hollywood fucking hollywood (laughs) i'm so I'm, i'm heated guys i'm sorry i'm sorry it's okay. You go on your rant. But thank you. Thank you. Uh, I will continue. A fucking Hollywood <laughs> museum. And on top of that, you had the fucking audacity to not include it inside of the Oscars. The audacity. But you buy the maid dress. He doesn't introduce himself to any of them, but instead just goes straight up back to the van. He makes a slight joke about where the body is. <laughs> you like that, Brady? <laughs> Wait, what kind of museum was it? It's literally the Academy's museum. No, 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 no. But you said like Hollywood like three times. It's hollow funny. Oh, yeah, dude. Because it's, it's true. Hollywood <laughs> <laughs> fucking museum. <laughs> but yet they don't consider A24 Hollywood. Anyway, <sighs> I digress, guys. I digress. I, I got a little heated there, but we're back. Don't worry. We're back. We're back. I'm freaking my dog out. She's sitting right next to me, like, <laughs> looking at me like, what the fuck, dude? She's like, you're right. You need to. Yeah. yeah. She's like, yeah, fuck Hollywood. <laughs> Um, back with Aaron getting off the phone with the operator telling uh, telling her that the sheriff will be there in 30 minutes and walking back to the front door she yells that she is all set but the old man asks for her help in the back she heads back there and he is on the floor emptying out his pee bag mm-hmm. he asks for her help uh, to help him off the ground while 
while doing so, there is a person um, that walks right past them. And once again, the same jump scare. Why would you do it again? Meanwhile, Kemper goes inside calling for Aaron, but doesn't hear a response back. Back with uh, Sheriff Hoyt and the mediocre hippies, Hoyt goes over to the uh, to the inside portion of the van and gets a closer look at the body. A complete asshole to the group, and he finds the gun, checks the bullet count, and sniffs the gun. He sniffs the gun. Guys. It's a little weird. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's a little weird. Very weird. A little. After st- a little. <laughs> a little. <laughs> okay. Subtleties, I guess. After sniffing it, he asks who who it belonged to, and Annie tells him that uh, she had it on her. Uh, Hoyt lifts his leg his leg up and puts the gun in an empty ankle ho- um, holster. Annie and Morgan give suspicious looks at each other, but we cut back to Aaron and the old man in the bathroom, filling her up while she is trying to help him off the floor. What a fucking pig. Kemper is still looking around the house for Aaron, but he hears a TV that is uh, that is on in a room. Wondering, um, wondering on the sound, he goes up to the door and peeks inside. Nobody there. He drops a charm that is on, on the door. When he goes down to pick it up, the door opens a bit more. This big motherfucker, you guessed it, Leatherface, hits him in the back of the head with a sledgehammer and starts dragging him to the basement, sliding the door shut. This is also my second favorite part of this movie. (laughs) I think this was a pretty good part because it was just like, oh, shit, we're starting. Like, we're ramping this up. Right. I agree. We get we get our serial killer or our killer or whoever, whoever is defiling these teenagers. Um, But. We, we get our killer, and on top of that, we get not only our killer, but we get something that's done very, very smartly here. Now, even though he gets hit in the head with the sledgehammer, they have this effect where he's actually having a seizure while he's pulling him. Oh, I don't know what? if you guys noticed that. Wait, Leatherface <laughs> is having a seizure? No, the guy. No, the guy. I saw him flailing oh, around. I didn't, I didn't know, know that. He was having a seizure. Yeah, he was having, he's supposed to be having a seizure in that moment because he got hit in the back portion of his head. Excuse me. That it it initially sparked a seizure for his brain trying to fight back of the blood uh, trauma. Oh, damn. (laughs) Good touch. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think that particular scene is just holy shit. Like it's, it's actually another scene that's also really scary. Yeah. Um, But, that's the last one. <laughs> Making a loud noise, Aaron he- uh, hears it and asks what that was. She just leaves the old dude there. I would have left his house a long time ago. <laughs> she starts calling for Kemper but gets no answer. The old man smiles at this because he got got. Cut back to Hoyt pulling out um, saran wrap to wrap the body of the girl. And even if you've never seen like a coroner or a... I don't know, someone who deals with this kind of stuff, an EMT of some kind, you probably will know that saran wrap is not utilized. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone watching could have figured something's up, right? But like... Just like, this motherfucker just pulled out saran wrap. What yeah, the fuck right. like, town are we in? Exactly. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <sighs> that would have been my moment where I'm just like... Yeah, I'm surprised no one like questioned it. They're like, "Oh yeah, I'll no. help. You. I'll help you, Saran Wrapper." Yeah, I'll help you Saran Wrap this whole body. And first of all, one roll of Saran Saran Wrap on a whole body. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on, guys. That's a lot of saran wrap. Although I do think that actually could probably work, depending <laughs> on how much it was. Probably like if it was probably like thirty six <laughs> feet or something like that, it probably could work. Oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but he takes the newspaper off her head and then looks at Andy, asking for his help wrapping the body. Hesitantly, he gets to, uh, gets in the van and helps him wrap the body. While they are wrapping her up, Hoyt goes on a story about how he used to love wrapping up these young girls. Terrible and. Feel them up. Ugh. And I, I love Andy's uh, answer to this where he's like, yeah, I bet you did. Yeah. <laughs> Back at the house, um, Aaron is still looking for Kemper. She goes up to the door to the basement and tries to slide it open, but it is locked. She then leans on the back of it on it. She leans her back on it and the peephole moves to look at her. It's actually a really interesting peephole. Uh, but she can um, hear the uh, the. Excuse me. She could hear the movement of the hole, and initially she just looks back at it. Aaron can't see anything on the other side. Typically, you can't. That's how peepholes work. Um, but uh, she can't see any other side. But then she hears the dog barking, so she decides to check back with the old man. He wheels out of the bathroom, asking Aaron if something is wrong. She asks him where her boyfriend is, and he tells her he tells her that he doesn't know, but he isn't in his house. Not my house. <laughs> she gives she gives her an un he oh excuse me. Uh he gives her oh excuse me. She gives her unwilling thanks and leaves out of the house looking for Kemper. I had to write this really fast, sorry guys. While leaving, uh, we get a glimpse of Leatherface peeking out of the window, looking at her walk away. Um Hoyt has Andy and Morgan get uh Hoyt has Andy and Morgan get the girl out of this car to put her in the back seat of the, of his cruiser. Pepper mumbles that this doesn't this seems wrong. She's the only one who kind of mentioned it. Um and Hoyt tells her to uh to not give him any crap and he respects dead bodies. He turns to the he turns to the two men putting the body in the back seat and yells uh yells for them to put her body in the trunk. Um they put her in the trunk, and Hoyt asks if they need help getting out of there. They let him know that they got it, um, and he gets in his cruiser to go on his way. Now, put here these stupid-ass kids. Y'all should already know that no cop is going to just take a dead body out of your car and say, have a good day. Exactly. Like, right. what? No, bro, you, that car is no longer yours. Like, that <laughs> shit is now evidence. Like, mm-hmm. you, that car is getting impounded. Like, come on. That should have been another red flag. Like, he just took the body away and just said bye. Yep. Like, but the 70s, right? No! <laughs> I don't think the 70s that were that bad, no, too. That didn't happen. <laughs> that still there's, didn't happen. There's no way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Although there weren't DNA testing, but still, evidence is evidence. There's a fucking damn body right here with four people. <laughs> claiming to be witnesses of of watching this girl supposedly kill herself. Someone's going to the fucking station. <laughs> if not all of them. Um, Aaron is, is going through the woods, still calling for Kemper while walking back to the other folks. We get a uh, cut of the Dungeon of Doom where Leatherface is uh, beginning this uh, work on Kemper. Jeez, uh, did you just hear my dog like Plop down right next to me. No, it didn't. No, I didn't hear it. Oh my god, she was just like flailed down like a sumo wrestler. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> she. <laughs> you can see all kinds of stuff in there: severed ears, hands, and, and even a head. Um, who kind of looked like a comic book nerd guy or something? Like I don't. I, I, I didn't get. I didn't understand the 
the way he looked because he didn't look like he was from the 70s at least i don't know i felt like the costume was hit or miss yeah probably um he is grabbing wire hooks and also petroleum jelly off of the table just a lot of a lot of tools (laughs) back with aaron on her on her way back to the others the sheriff drives off while morgan pepper and andy are looking at the mess inside the van pepper goes in to try to clean the van but starts to gag and immediately runs out of the van aaron is back asking her if she is okay she she tells her that it is too much and that she uh, is going to be sick aaron tells them that she spoke to the sheriff's office and that she uh and that he is on his way looking inside while she's looking inside the now empty van andy tells her that the sheriff already came and took the body she then starts asking where kemper is and andy asks that he thought that or andy tells her that he thought that she he was with her meanwhile a car starts blaring its horn and the group goes over to see where it's coming from why it's a horn right the fuck do you care (laughs) while aaron is calling for kemper this is this is why people don't think horror movies are good it's because of the dumb decisions from slasher films exactly <laughs> they make it to the uh, to the car and it is and it is a stick that was placed between a seat and a horn all right uh like come on what at this you point know someone did that you better not stick around okay i'm done Andy tells him that nobody is there, removes the stick, and notices someone's dentures on the ground. He picks them up. Pepper realizes that they are someone's teeth and freaks out. She tells Aaron to find her boyfriend because it's time to go. And shit, I don't blame her. Well, Although Pepper is kind of a bitch. Like you think so? I do, but she's a smart one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would give her credit. She's That's pretty true. smart. Yeah, because, like, it's funny because, like, she leaves most of them in those situations, even though she doesn't make it herself. But she leaves most of them in those situations to kind of fend for themselves where it was just like, I kind of would do the same thing because I only known you guys for 24 hours. So. Yeah, so you can't really blame her. So she is she's actually pretty smart, right? Because it's like, I got to get out of here. Like, yeah. this, I, this was the bad day to hook up with this boy, basically. Exactly. Yeah, she was like, man, I shouldn't have been walking on the road. <laughs> Why'd they pick me up? While they are still looking, um, uh, looking for, excuse me, while they are still looking, Morgan sticks his hand in a hole, in a hole in a car, and oh my god, my fucking cat just ran in here like no tomorrow. What Jesus. is this? Oh my gosh. Uh, no, she does that. It's fucking, we call this her little fucking demon hour. <laughs> cat. <laughs> um, while they are still looking for Morgan, sticks his hand in the hole of the car and acts like something is dragging him inside the car. I know that probably picked up uh, on my microphone, the cat running back and forth. <laughs> Everyone freaks out, trying to help him, and starts laughing, pulling out a jar with a dead girl's picture in it and a family on the backside. Hmm. Just not giving you any... Any cues here, huh, guys? <laughs> <laughs> they all get up to start looking for Kemper, but Morgan wants the keys to the van. Here's the cue, guys. Come on, Morgan's being smart about it. Yep. Um, Aaron has the keys to the van, um, and she kind of holds them up, right? Morgan, you can take them. Psych. <laughs> I was like, damn. That's scandalous. Morgan and Pepper wants the keys just in case they need to get the fuck out of there. But Aaron won't let them have the keys because she is not leaving without Kemper. I mean, 
That's I mean, fair, right? Yeah, I can't yeah, blame it because honestly, like in a real life situation, there are many people where they would just, I gotta, I gotta go. I'm not <laughs> staying around for this shit. I'm bouncing, but you know, she's she's real. She she's like, I, I need my man's. Yeah, she she loves him. Yeah. You know? So, uh, but what what does love got to do with it? <laughs> Here, her and Andy go back towards the house while the two others head back towards the van. Cut to Kimber in a bloodied bathtub being hung upside down, dropping the engagement ring from his pocket. Aw. Leatherface sees it uh, sees it fall, opens it, and takes the ring out. All right. Um, Aaron and Andy head back to the house, and she tells him that she knows that Kimber is in the house. You know, it would have been cool if she would have found the ring on him. Mm. that would have been a better touch because that would have been more of a moment for us as an audience to actually feel bad because he was going to propose yeah um versus a scene that that kind of split section of like oh man he was going to propose but seeing her reaction to oh my god my boyfriend's dead yeah and he was going to propose to me during this concert probably like damn that 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 would have hit a lot that, harder. That would have been sure. a really good touch. You're actually really right with that. Yeah. No. So take notes, Michael Bay, because you still do this shit. The <laughs> old man is sitting outside, and Andy tells her to keep him busy while he sneaks into the house. She goes up to the old man and tells him that she can't find her boyfriend. All right. Why the fuck would he care? Andy heads inside the house and starts looking around for Kemper. He softly calls out to him while going deeper into the house. Meanwhile, Aaron is trying her best to stall the old man, but the old dude is realizing something is fucked up around here. It's just like, okay, like you're obviously you're being weird. Like you didn't even want me to touch you earlier. And now all of a sudden you're right in my face talking about my fucking flowers. What's going on? <laughs> And he goes into the kitchen and sees all of the meat hanging up on bed springs on, on top of the ceiling. Leatherface is looking at him through the hole in the wall. He opens up the fridge and, and is replaced and is repulsed by the smell and cl- closes the door. But something falls out, falls off the top part of the fridge. Aaron hears this and runs into the house to make sure Andy is OK. The old man rolls into the house and yells at them for being in his house. Rightfully so. You're in his house. And he tells him, uh, tells him that they are looking for their friend and that they will get out of here once they find him. The old man tells him, tells them that they are, they're already dead and they don't even know it yet. He starts banging his cane on the ground repeatedly until the basement, the basement door slides open and Leatherface pops out, revving up his motherfucking chainsaw. Wow. This was actually a pretty good scene. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. This scene is actually really iconic. Now, now, David, you did ask if uh, there are any callbacks. There, there, there was a few. I didn't touch too many, but there's a few. This one being one of them. This is very iconic. The the steel door and so on and so forth. But him opening the door, revving the chainsaw out on a, the group of teens that are there. That's iconic. Like that's really really cool from that particular movie. Now, here's the thing that is very different from this movie versus Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, in 1974. (laughs) Uh, Leatherface screams a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Yeah. Like, so much so that it kind of gets annoying. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, really? In the original? Yes. Yeah. He screams Ooh. a lot. Like, kind of like like a woman in a way. Like, he, he has, like, a very high-pitched scream. But, yep, that's just, that was his thing. Although, there is, there is something at the very end of that movie that is also fantastic. That's another callback in this movie as well, which we'll get to. Um, Andy and Aaron is are trying to run, but Andy drops his lug wrench and the old man rolls his wheel on it, making it harder for them to get. Aaron tries holding the door close. Uh, excuse me. Tries holding the door closed, but Leatherface pushes it open with the head of his chainsaw. Aaron continues running, and Andy finally is able to pick up his wrench, using it as a shield from the saw. Andy finally is able to get up and starts running out of the house, but Leatherface is chasing him, and he's right behind him. God damn, he's fast. <laughs> <laughs> Leatherface is swinging the, the saw back and forth and gets him, gets him in the leg, chopping it clean off. Clean just... One swipe motion. Ugh, when I saw this, I, I squirmed and I was super squeamish. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> so th- th- it was it was a pick out of this, and you can even ask Freddy this. It was a pick out of this or The Devil's Rejects. And <laughs> The Devil's Rejects, to me, is a way better movie than this. <laughs> um, but one, The Devil's Rejects is a sequel, and I, I don't want to start you off with that if you haven't watched House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, and two, uh, Devil's Rejects is a lot more shocking than this movie. Not oh, because sure. of blood and guts and stuff. It's just more so a lot more uncomfortable. Yeah. A little more okay. demonic. But, <laughs> you know me, I you know, that. I love me some demons. <laughs> I, I wouldn't necessarily say, say demonic, like but it, it, it is. Oh no. Yeah. It's a lot more like heinous. Yeah. I love like, me some evil is, demons. This is like, it, it's funny because the, the, the Devil's Rejects is initially, there's a line that you might have even heard before, but it's the line, I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's work. Like, that's that's where that comes from. But with that particular movie that makes it so heinous is there's a particular moment that is a whole act of this movie of them terrorizing, terrorizing this family. And the thing is, this movie starts where you're following this family and you feel like you're going to be with this family for the whole time. But then it transitions to where you're actually with the villains for the whole time and you're with the villains for the remainder of the movie. Mm-hmm. It is a very, very well done movie and Rob Zombie's best movie to date, for sure. Hands Sounds down. very interesting. Yeah. I'll put it on the list eventually, but I was going to put that on the list instead of this, but I kind of want to work you up to that because I... I burned you with the Poughkeepsie tape, so I want to work you back up. Yeah, I was, I was gotta, burned pretty bad. We don't talk like, about yeah, that. I gotta, I, I gotta, it, it sizzled gotta for a couple days. <laughs> it did it? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I'm so sorry. Oh. You should listen to that episode. <laughs> that I'm way you can actually too. just like go through it. I'm sure I'm scared, too. I don't want to know what happened. <laughs> I just, I'd rather not know. Oh, no. oh man. I'm sorry. He picks up Andy from the ground and walks him back to the house. Meanwhile, Aaron is still running towards the van. Um, I don't even think you know, David. Freddie also wasn't a part of that episode. I think you. I think you may have mentioned Did that. I mention to me. that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I, I had to guess because Freddie Freddie wasn't feeling too well. Not because of the movie. No. Yeah. Not because of the movie. He just he just got a little sicky poo. The movie was a coincidence. But the movie didn't Sticking help. Sticking up for my mans. <laughs> the movie definitely didn't help. I will admit. 
probably did. Meanwhile, Aaron is still uh, running towards the van, back with uh, Leatherface. I put LF, so if you guys hear me say LF on accident, just note that's why. uh, taking Andy down to the basement while he is screaming for Aaron. Finally, Aaron makes it back to the van and he is trying to start it while asking Morgan and Pepper where the gun is. They are asking her if she is okay and what's going on, but she yells the question to them again. Uh, she is not able to start the car and Hoyt pops up from the driver's side window. Aaron begins to cry and tells him that her friend needs help and that he is dying. Hoyt tells her uh, to calm down. And then ask what's what's wrong with the car if it can't start. Um, While Aaron is trying to explain uh, what happened to her friend and also the car, Hoyt picks up a joint on the dashboard. He asks if they are taking drugs like, you kids taking drugs? (laughs) And they tell him no, but he yells for them to get out of the van and get on the ground. Back with Andy and Leatherface lifts him up to put him on the meat hook. Now, David, you ask once again. Are there any callbacks to to the old movie? This is a huge callback. Now, this was one of the most iconic scenes because no one's ever seen this really done before in a mainstream horror film. And this particular scene did this the exact same way initially where we think we're seeing it go through him, but we're not. We don't technically see anything. Okay. Literally, he lifts him up and... All it is is that actor with and the sound design. That's it. Gotcha. Other than that, there's no gore here. Nothing. There's no blood dripping off of him. There's none of that. Like, we literally just get the sound. Hmm. In those cases, pretty well done. To have the human brain think that they saw something grotesque, but yeah, in reality, it, it was nothing. It was just sounds and shit. Sounds and he shit. sounds and shit. That's the name of our new podcast. Uh, he <laughs> takes some salt to put on his leg wound, uh, having Andy letting out a loud scream. Leatherface then heads over to grab some meat paper and wrap it around uh, his wound. <laughs> Meanwhile, the three of the three are on the ground, and Aaron is crying to tell Hoyt that somebody is killing Andy. Oh no. Hoyt it says that he thinks Kemper killed uh killed that woman and ran off. Ooh. Aaron trying to defend her man lifts her head and tells him that he did not do that and but but Hoyt starts shooting at the ground next to their head. Yeah, that shit <laughs> terrified me. I was like, yo, dude, like how do you know you're not gonna miss? I think he didn't give a shit. If he hit him, he was like, Cool, I'm just gonna get all three. Damn. <laughs> like <laughs> Savage. I think that was just his mindset where it's just like he wasn't trying to hit him, but if he did, he had a plan of, you know, probably yeah. executing the rest. Hoyt picks up Morgan and starts asking him to show exactly what happened inside the van. This part is also kind of scary. But with uh, Leatherface working on the new skin mask from Kemper's face, he takes off his current mask. And you could see pieces of his face missing and kind of that disease that he's uh, initially ridden with. Um, excuse me. Meanwhile, Hoyt uh, gets in the van with Morgan, interrogating him on what happened to the girl. He tells Morgan that he that if she is was sitting in the spot that he was currently in, that that doesn't add up. 
Morgan tells him that maybe she was more in the middle, but Morgan looks down at the spot where she sat and looks at Hoyt. Um, Hoyt asks him if he is afraid of a little blood and yells for him to get over there. And fucking Hoyt, or uh, Morgan, man, his, like, lip is quivering, and, oh, man, he completely demasculated him. Yeah. In that moment. Like, he was scaring the shit out of him. Oh, man. Kudos to that actor, man. I've seen him play around in a few movies before, and kudos to him. I, I, God, let me – what's his name? I'm going to look him up really quick because he he's actually really, really, really good. Jonathan Tucker. Um, Yeah, he was in Hostage, uh, Sleepers. He played young Tommy in Sleepers. But he was in a movie recently where I want to say was – he, was he in Westworld? I think he was in Westworld. He might be. I think Freddy's the one to ask. Uh, he is. I don't he think is, Freddy's seen Westworld. Oh. He is in Westworld, right? Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, he's okay. from the previous That's seasons. What... And then he's also in the right, new right, season right. as well. Yeah. Yeah. He he was like he was like one of the, like the like the cop people. Yeah. Uh, or... I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Major Craddock. Don't know who that yes, is. But yes. yes, that's him. Major Craddock. Major Craddock. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, it, it's... He's a good actor, this guy, um, but he also played in a movie or in a uh, in a short called Skin. Have you guys seen that short? I haven't. No, oh, man. I have not. Uh, Freddie, you need to watch it for sure because the person who uh, did the cinematography for Skin also did the cinematography for Waves. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So you definitely want to check that one out. Skin's pretty good. Uh, but anyway. Uh, da, da, da. whoopsie! I clicked on the wrong button, but we're back. <laughs> um, scaring the shit out of uh Morgan, he moves over, moving the carnage out of the way, and it's gross. It's like bits of her flesh still there. It's pretty gross. Hoyt starts asking what she did next, and Morgan hesitantly tells him that she shot herself. He asks, he asks him, and Morgan he. He asked him how, and Morgan is confused by this question until Hoyt holds the gun up to, Mor- to Morgan's face, slowly moving the gun down to his mouth. God damn. Uh, Morgan takes the gun and holds it up to his chin, and Hoyt asks if that's how she did it, and Morgan tells him yes while starting to cry. He tells Morgan that there isn't a hole in her chin and that she uh, stuck the gun in her mouth, then asks for him to show him how she did it. Hoyt slowly moves the gun into Morgan's mouth while he is pleading for him to stop. But Hoyt continues with his question on what she did next. Aaron gets up from the ground and calls out of calls out to Morgan to see if he is okay. Hoyt tells Hoyt yells for her for her to get back on the ground. Morgan takes this opportunity to hold the gun to Hoyt and yell for him to get on the floor. Hoyt t- starts telling him to shoot him while Aaron is telling him to put the gun down and Pepper yelling for him to shoot him as well. Hoyt yells for him to pull the trigger and when Morgan does just that, but there aren't any bullets inside the gun. You done fucked up now. Yeah. Hoyt starts taunting him and yanks the gun out of his hand, then pulls or pulls another one from his waistband, pointing it at Morgan's head. So I had imagined what I would do in this situation. And right off the bat, when he handed Morgan the gun, as Morgan, I would have thought, 
this shit is not loaded. There's no way because clearly Hold this on. this dude is sus. Like he's he. I'm questioning at this point if he even is a sheriff, and he's having me reenact this. Right? Um, it's weird. I get it. It's the 70s. You have to listen to authority. <laughs> but honestly, like straight up, dude. Like I was like, I would have pistol whipped him real quick. And Damn. you know, like ah oh, shit, I don't blame him. Yeah, I, I would too. Yeah, guess. so like, and especially you when he's ready. So what? What if he was a sheriff? At the end what of the day, shit, he getting pistol whipped in. Yeah, exactly. So like, and straight I'm up, out. Like, <laughs> right when he shot and it was a blank, you go straight for the pistol whip. You know, yeah. that's your confirmation right there. Yeah, you click and you be like, "Cool, nothing in there." Pop. No. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he he orders for Morgan to get out of the van, and then Hoyt takes takes him to this cruiser, but not before taking the keys out of the ignition. Back with Andy, all types of fucked up on the meat hook. He walks. Uh, he uh, wakes back up, trying to figure out a way to get off of the hook. Um, this is where it does get gross. Um, excuse me. I'm oh man. That was a big bubble. Uh, he uh, grabs a pipe and tries to pull himself off the hook, but uh, just makes himself fall even deeper on the hook. Ugh. God damn. Man, I'm surprised Freddy didn't have a joke. Like, looks like he wasn't off the hook. Uh, meanwhile, Hoyt is driving with Morgan in the backseat of the cruiser. Hoyt asks him where they were headed, where they were headed, and tells him that they were headed to Dallas for a Skinner concert. Hoyt tells him that he likes Skinner and asks ask, uh, what they plan on doing with their tickets to the concert. Morgan says that he can have them, and without hesitation, Hoyt asks if that is bribery, then smacks him in the face with a bottle of alcohol that he was just drinking out of. Morgan is all types of fucked up now, spinning out a fucking tooth that fell with the, with the impact of the bottle colliding with his face. Hoyt picks up the radio and calls for someone to go to the mill and pick up the other two women. Back with the two women in the van, Aaron trying to... Uh, Aaron trying to jimmy the ignition with a knife, but it breaks. Pepper, uh, Pepper, scared about absolutely shitless, is asked to hold the light steady by Aaron so she can try to hotwire the car. Hoyt makes it to, to the Hewitts um, and tells Morgan to get out of the car. He pulls up. He, excuse me. He pulls him out of the car and starts kicking him, telling Morgan to. Telling Morgan that they shouldn't have messed with that girl. Morgan tries getting up and Hoyt pulls him into the house. Now, it's interesting, the whole part of you, sh- you shouldn't have messed with that girl. Um, what do you guys think he meant there? I, I honestly think that he, I, well, clearly he, he knows something that the rest of the crew doesn't know. And I think he's just psychologically fucking with them. I think he knows that this is all part of a plan. Um, he knows, I think he's familiar with um, the girl that tried to get away and that she came right. back. And it's like, oh, perfect. Like she came back. There's no worry about um, word getting out about what we do here. And he wants to throw the blame on them just to to really isolate them mentally on feeling trapped. Mm. That's pretty good. That's a good thought. I took it as like, uh, you, I took it where like maybe they were not done with her yet. So it's like, oh, you should have mm. messed with her. Like you got her killed before it was her time type of deal. Mm. But that was just me being very dark about it. <laughs> no, no, that that also makes a lot of sense. I, I'm actually I, now I'm ping pong in between both of those. Those are both actually really, really good answers um, because I, I feel like that's one of those 
uh, lines that initially you can interpret either way. Uh, you can interpret it as, okay, maybe this could be taken as literal or maybe this could be taken as more of a psychological thing. Great points, guys. Great points. Aaron gets to gets the car started and starts to drive off, but the two front tires fall right on off, causing them to stop dead in their tracks. God damn! These motherfuckers can't catch a break. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, Leatherface comes up to the back of the van, breaking the glass with his chainsaw. Um, god damn, that was actually pretty. That was pretty intense. He goes to the driver's side. Uh, which has them go into the middle of the van. Leatherface goes on the top of the car and starts shredding the shredding his chainsaw through the top, making a slight contact with Pepper's jacket. It's like feathers and shit everywhere. They try to uh, make a run for it, but Aaron is grabbed by Leatherface while Pepper makes her run for it still. <laughs> <laughs> and it's crazy because uh, Aaron is asking for her to come back she's like pepper help me help me and pepper's like fuck that i'm done yeah i mean and i don't i don't blame her honestly again yeah. she just met either. these people that's true yeah, yeah. I don't blame her. he jumps off the top of the van and starts chasing her he catches up to her and finishes the job and it's just like well fuck yeah didn't look like that worked out that well for you anyway because i mean she could have thought like Okay, he's on top of the car right now, right? He just grabbed her. So, I mean, he can't technically get in the car if he just grabbed her, like, through her head. Like, there could have been something lying around that she could have, like, stabbed his hand or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, I just feel like there are other ways to accomplish that instead of her running out of the car and him just having easy access to just jump off the car. Cause he's like, cool. Now one's out. Now I can just go get one. <laughs> um, but whatever turning around and Aaron can get a clear look just at whose face he is wearing. And it is Kemper. Wow. All hope lost. He runs back to Aaron and, uh, she thinks she makes a run for, for it into the woods um, while she is getting while he is chasing after her and he is still very fast she makes it to the trailer she makes it to a trailer uh, slightly outside of the woods Aaron runs to the door banging on it for someone to let her in and help her they don't answer the door right away and she sits on the steps crying until the uh, until a woman opens the door and grabs her shoulder and my whole thing on that part there wait a second so you you're running from this guy who's easily matched in speed with a chainsaw he's very quick and you're gonna bang and yell on this door therefore he kind of knows where you are and you're just gonna sit back down mm -hmm. you're not just gonna be like okay fuck it they didn't answer the door i'm gonna keep going exactly <laughs> and like what really um there are two women telling her to have to sit very calmly or excuse me. Uh, there are two women telling her, have a seat very calmly. They're just like, have a seat. You know, take a seat. I'm like, bitch, no, uh, there's a motherfucking killer out here. He's trying to kill me. You guys are probably involved, but let me use your phone. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, come on. Um, and the tea kettle is going off and Aaron is telling them to take it off before he hears it. And Leatherface is outside killing his chainsaw, walking towards the trailer. They pour her a cup of tea and one of them sit next to her 
um, Aaron's sobbing is asking to use their phone, and the woman tells them that they don't have one. Aaron starts telling them that it, he is going to uh, call, he is going to kill them, all of them actually. <laughs> and the lady smiles, saying that he isn't because he knows better to be messing around here. <laughs> wow. Aaron looks at the woman, and they are both telling her that he is a sweet boy who has a, a rare skin disease. The woman is trying to get Aaron to drink the tea, and she yells that she doesn't want any more tea, and she needs to use the phone, or use a phone. This outburst wakes up the baby in the back of the trailer. The woman angrily goes over to the baby, while the other woman tells her that wasn't a good idea. She grabs a can of food from the fridge and heads into the back. Aaron gets up to sit the tea down and notices a picture on the dresser. She picks it up and notices that it's the same uh, picture of the family that were also in the jar that they found earlier. And the little boy uh, that is, or excuse me, and the little girl that is in the photo is in the back of the trailer being tended to by the woman. Hmm. So it's nice to know that they don't kill kids. Yeah, but oh, man, okay, so again, there's so many moments in this film where I'm like, these kids need to really think about what's happening to them because, again, with her being so pushing on drinking the tea, right? Like, I feel like instinctually, like, you would think, this, who's this person? Why are they so preoccupied on giving me tea? Something's up, right? I would have bolted. Yeah. I mean, I definitely would have been the 70s, I man. I would have been... The seventies. <laughs> the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's calm, man. Everyone's calm in the seventies. Everyone's calm, uh, man. They're about to kill me. <laughs> Have some tea, bro. Don't worry about it. They're like, just like chill out, man. Chill Here's out. some acid. Here's some shrooms. Here's some LSD. <laughs> just chill, a phone, man. The phone rings, and Aaron whips back towards the di- the direction of the phone going off. She's trying to walk towards the back of the trailer, but is starting to get woozy and uh, drowsy. While walking to confront the woman with the baby, she tells her that that isn't your baby. <laughs> you stole her. So, and when with that lady, happened, I was like, "Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait! How did we get to this point?" Like, and and I, I put two and two together, but I was like, "I feel like so is this is this related to the original film?" Because I was, I feel like this was just thrown in there. No, this was just the family that they killed uh, recently. Okay, and it's just like they were like, "Let's keep the baby." Yeah. Huh. So initially. Creepy. The, I would assume that um, anybody who initially stops at that gas station asking for directions of someplace, they probably tell them to go somewhere, I guess, that uh, someone could probably meet up with them mm. and initially take them to Leatherface. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But no, that's not really a callback. Um, yeah, none of this really is. There is like no other... No other like places on the property that you can go to. It's just the house. Um, Aaron is trying to walk back to the uh, front of the trailer, but falls to the floor. My whole thing is though, real quick. My whole thing is is the fact that this trailer is so close to their house that these people's house that obviously they know them. That's what I'm saying. So it's just like they might not be involved. Sure, because I mean we all have neighbors, right? That doesn't necessarily right. know, mean that we know that our neighbor is a serial killer. But in the I mean, 70s. We learned, that for, we learned that in summer of 84. I was about to say that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
But yeah, I mean, but the seventies, yeah, seventies, motherfuckers know some shit. <laughs> but <laughs> Aaron is trying to walk uh, back to the front door of the trailer, but falls down to the floor. The two women are telling her that everything is going to be fine real soon. Aaron wakes up uh, from Hoyt pouring beer on her face, and a woman by the name of Luda May ironing his pants, telling him to give her some room. The old man tells Luda May that that she um, that she would probably like to stay for supper. That is the part where it's uh, a callback to mm. the original because they did have her stay for supper, and it was interesting. Um, there was two people, actually. One was tied up to a chair, and that's where we got a really cool chainsaw scene. But um, Jedediah runs to uh, the window outside calling for his grandma. And he's like, let me in, grandma, <laughs> to let him in. But she tells him that she that he has to stay outside with the dogs. Like, damn. Aaron looks at Ludamay uh, asking for her to let her go. But instead, she uh, starts talking about how she knows Aaron's kind. She continues by saying that there uh, that there are uh, that there was nothing but cruelty and ridicule to her poor, poor son. Jedediah yells for them to not hurt her, and Aaron is yelling for help. Ludome yells for Thomas Hewitt to come into the room, and you guessed it, Tom Hewitt is motherfucking Leatherface. Ludome tells him to get her out of there, and he just takes her, no problem. He takes her and throws her down the stairs to the furnace. Uh, and shuts the door, shuts her inside. Mm. She is looking around, noticing all of the body parts and the and a dead person initially in the room. Eventually, she sees Andy above on the hooks, and um, he is still alive with his foot uh, touching the keys of the piano. Andy asks for help, but the, then starts to yell for her to stop when she did try to give him help. Don't ask me then, Dan. <laughs> uh, she she keeps trying to get him off the hook, but but he just drops back down on the hook and tells her and Andy tells her that he is already dead and she needs to finish it. Aaron grabs a knife from the table and starts walking back towards Andy. He is yelling for her to do it and kill him. She stabs him into the stomach and starts to scream and falls to the ground asking for forgiveness while his blood is pouring on top of her. I honestly didn't think she was going to do it. Yeah, me too. I was like, she can't do it. She did it. I was I, like, oh, she did it. Okay. <laughs> so let me ask you guys this. In that time, it took her to walk over slowly, get the knife and all that and stab him. Why didn't she just get on top of the piano and just try to get him off? I think she tried. She, but she didn't. Like, she, she tried getting on top of the piano? She tried getting on top of the keys. And, and it didn't she work. kept slipping off. Ugh, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Ugh. But, I don't, I don't yeah. Know. but sad. That guy was pretty nice. He was the nice guy. He was the nice guy trope. Yeah. Who was hooking up with the super sexually frustrated woman? Exactly. Yeah. <sighs> and it's interesting because, like, the grossest thing that we initially get in this movie when it comes to like gore was probably the leg scenes. Yeah, that's and true. Even when she was like chopping off his his arm they didn't really show it but yeah it's like a quick snippet because it's like a right. lot but at the same time it's like we want to show it right exactly so it's, it's, it's interesting because like this movie is gory but it's not as gory as like it could have been high 
high tension or something. Because high tension, I don't know if you guys have seen that. Have you guys seen that? Heard no. of it? High tension? Never seen it. Heard of it? It's it's a French um, slasher film uh, from 2005, I think, or maybe 2006. But you, Freddie, you know who Alex Aja is, right? The guy who made Crawl. Uh, maybe. I don't. Well, I don't recognize Crawl was that. No worries. Crawl was the the movie the with crocodile uh, alligator movie. Yeah, so that's he's the guy who made that too. Um, but initially, High Tension was his French film, all in French because he's from France. Surprise! But um, Alex Aja had the most hardcore saw scene I've ever seen in my entire life. And initially, this movie could have gone there, but it chose not to. And once I saw this movie, then I saw High Tension afterwards. I was like, oh, fuck, this Texas Chainsaw Massacre could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot, lot, lot worse. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, after she realizes all of the blood that is on her, she gets up and continues moving t- uh, through the basement. Um, uh, Leatherface looks down into the basement from the floor above through the cracks. Aaron makes it to Morgan's body in the tub. She goes over to check on him, reaching for his face and starts to scream and fo- and he starts to scream and flail his arms around until uh, she tells him that uh, it is her. Aaron gets gets him out of the tub. Uh, Jedediah comes down the stairs and he is telling them to get out now. He takes he takes them to the walls of the basement guiding them while um, Leatherface is right behind them, chasing them through the walls. They start heading up the ladder, and Morgan breaks a piece of... Uh, a piece... Uh, what the heck? I don't know why I wrote it that way. He was climbing up the ladder, and Morgan breaks a piece of the um, the board, I guess. I don't know why I wrote it this way. I, I put, like, a, a stall? I don't know why I wrote it that way. I wrote that wrong. But um, initially... It gave them some, it initially gave them time for Leatherface to catch up. Leatherface grabs Aaron's leg and tries to pull her back down, but she is, um, she is able to kick him off of her. Um, she's able to do this a lot, but no one else is. And she makes it back up the ladder, getting out of, getting out and shutting the cellar door. Above ground, her and Morgan trying their best, uh, to run away, but Leatherface is hot on their heels. God damn, he got out of that house fast. <laughs> um, they make it to an abandoned house, but Leatherface saw them go inside, um, mainly because she had the door wide open to see if he was still coming. Uh, they move a couch to block his way th- uh, into the house, but he uses the chainsaw to saw the door open because he has a chainsaw. Aaron and Morgan start looking for another way, way out of the house while Leatherface is walking while Leatherface is working on the door, uh, Aaron and Morgan aren't able to find a way, and Leatherface kills the chainsaw to hear where they might be going. I actually do think this is clever and actually really smart on the villain's part um, because he is thinking about, like, okay, I need to hear where these guys are going, so let me just turn this off for a second. And plus, it's also scarier to turn it on and rev it and all this other stuff, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
Aaron and Morgan head upstairs and she places Morgan in the closet while she goes to hide in a different spot. Leatherface comes in the room and they are they are both hiding in their locations and they are both trying their best to keep as quiet as they can. He moves closer towards Morgan, but a rat climbs on Aaron and she uh and she moves it off of her, making the rat squeal. Leatherface hears this and starts starts making his way back towards the di- that direction. She covers her mouth and peeks through the hole but can't see him through it. She stands up and he grabs her through the wall behind and drags her out. Um, did you guys expect this to happen? Um, I thought he was going to use the chainsaw to like cut down that wall for sure. I didn't think he was going to break through the wall and that's like the one jump scare I was talking about earlier. I feel like this one worked oh. very, very well. And that's why I was really? like, oh yeah, he's breaking barriers, breaking the wall. Terrible joke. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> I really hate you. <laughs> that was like oh. that, that was a pretty good scene. It was pretty solid. Uh, I kind of uh, it was a good scene because I was kind of laughing the fact of like where did all these fucking rats come from? I was like, this movie know, is ridiculous. <laughs> but and then I was like, oh okay, that was kind of cool. And There's a lot of moments led to more in this cool film. Moments in it too. There's a lot of moments in this film that uh, that had me raise those questions of why this or how did this happen and it really just came down to me thinking because horror movie you know and that's kind of what uh dissuade me from this film there's a lot of moments that lack context for me and they were there just to be there yeah Yeah. well that makes sense and that's that's slashers though right you know yeah yeah the thing about them so it is what it is um but it's we're almost two hours in. We passed the, the movie's length, so let's, let's, let's start wrapping this up. Morgan comes out of his hiding place, uh, calling for her, but she, you can you can tell that his tongue is missing by the way that he is speaking. Leatherface brings Aaron back to in in the in that room, throws her on the floor, and places her his foot on her back while he revs up his chainsaw, about to strike, the, but Morgan pushes him off. Uh, pushes him which he drops the chainsaw on the ground still actively moving towards Aaron's face <laughs> she is able to get off the ground and she tries to fight him off of off of Morgan he pushes Aaron off of him and puts Morgan on the on the chandelier uh grabs his chainsaw and starts sawing him from his groin wowzers that's uh not a fun way to go. A lot of sexual Aaron tension. Aaron takes the opportunity to get the uh, get the fuck out of there and starts running out the woods in the field. And I, I actually really like how she did that, where she saw him getting fucked up, and she was like, "Cool, nothing I could do. Out of here." <laughs> like, <laughs> um, Leatherface is chasing her, and he is really fucking close once again. But Aaron makes it to a barbed fence, which she goes under and Leatherface tries to follow her, but he trips, having his chainsaw fall on his leg, cutting it. (laughs) Having him scream in pain. This is why you don't run with chainsaws, bro. Um, Aaron makes it to the road and and car. uh, Excuse me. Aaron makes it to the road and a car is driving down the road coming towards her. She runs in the car, slamming on the hood, asking them for help, and I wouldn't fucking stop either. I'm just saying. <laughs> Slamming on my hood of my car. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, honestly, when she was doing this, I'm like, girl, calm down. You could get help, but don't act like a crazy lady. Yeah, you're acting like a crazy person. Why would I help you now? Exactly. No, get away from my goddamn window. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> she keeps going and makes it to, to Blair's Meat Company, um, which I think this Blair's Meat Company is... Uh, uh, a thing from Blair Witch Project. I oh. think that was what that was supposed to be based off of. 
It seemed yeah. like it, it seemed like a callback somehow. I don't know how, but it just did. Yeah, like I feel. Well, it was the way they showed the sign and shit. Yeah, especially the first time they drove by it. Like, oh, we're supposed to know this. <laughs> um, she runs through probably the dumbest thing you could probably run through, which is a slaughter gate. Yep. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> Leatherface drops down with her, and she is able to kick him off of off of her once again. So she starts running. Leatherface is, is chasing her through the butchering uh, station. She goes inside of the freezer, trying to make her way through the frozen meats. Leatherface is now inside, looking for her. Aaron found a slab of meat to hide behind. Um, <laughs> okay, but she is also shivering from how cold it is in there. She starts. Um, Leatherface starts moving chains for, uh, around, and it also moves the meat and starts bumping into her and scares her, causing her to reveal her position. He springs up and tries to get her uh, with his saw yet again, but she is able to once again kick him off. She does this three times so far. Who knew that kicks could be so effective? <laughs> Which has him drop his chainsaw um and she continues running through the meat and makes it out of the freezer. Leatherface, for some reason, turns on the sprinklers. And initially, I guess this was mainly because Jessica Bill and she's in a crop top. And yep. I guess it's a white crop top. So yep. see through. Exactly yep. why. But because cool. it, it was slightly see through. But I, you could tell that that was what they were going for. Yeah. Like you could start now seeing the indentations of like her bra and stuff like that so like mm-hmm. you were able to see more i guess yeah which that's michael bay for you <laughs> i mean that that's one of the reasons why uh what's her name stopped working with them on transformers megan fox megan fox yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah she he wanted her to be even more sexualized and she's like how the fuck how more do you want me to be god damn um i don't blame her and Aaron is able to is able to make it to a meat cleaver. He is searching for her to lock to in in the locker room, and she is hiding in one of the lockers. He walks past her, but she starts banging on the locker for some reason and yelling for him. He was walking past you. Right. <laughs> Leatherface turns around and starts walking her way, but now she decides to cover her mouth and hide again. Okay. One of the lockers starts rattling and Leatherface turns on his chainsaw again and opens the locker door uh, ready to strike. But it is just a pig that's inside. Um, Aaron comes up behind him and starts hacking away at his arm until it falls off. (laughs) And then she drops the cleaver. She doesn't take it with her. She, um, you know what I would have fucking done? Because that was his hand that he was wielding the fucking chainsaw with. And it dropped on the ground. I would have fucking picked that shit up so fast, and I would have went. I would have went in. Yeah, right, honestly, deal. I thought the same 100%. thing. Like that was that was an easy kill right there. Boom, done deal. Um, <laughs> you know you could play as Leatherface in Mortal Kombat. That's really funny. Yeah, you play, and I think you could also play as Freddy Krueger and Jason. Yeah, you can. That's hella funny. Yeah, so good and Spawn. Uh, she makes another another run for it while he is trying to, his best to pick up his chainsaw, spinning on the ground in his blood, and he is slipping on it. So 
That was funny. Leatherface <laughs> drops to the floor, writhing in pain, and Aaron is able to make her way out of the factory. She runs out on the road, and a diesel truck is coming down the road. She is yelling for them to stop. The driver stops and helps her into the truck. He is asking for her for her name, and we get yet again what we got in the beginning of the movie. Very clever, guys. And she repeats what the lady from earlier says. I just want to go home. <laughs> the driver continues to ask questions, but she uh, sees that they are passing the barbecue stop again. And she repeats yet again when he was just going to drive past it. <laughs> drive no! past it. And she repeats yet again. Oh, I don't want to go here. Oh, my God. You're going back. You're going the wrong way. Yada, 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 yada. Starts grabbing on the fucking wheel and shit. I literally was shouting, oh, like, my God. Are you serious? It's like, bro, he's literally driving in that direction. You know he's going towards that town. You yeah. just went that way. You <sighs> came from there. Bad sense of direction. <laughs> the driver comes to a stop and gets out of the truck while she is yelling for him not to get out. He runs to the door of the market and she runs to the window to see who's inside. He knocks on the door and tells Luda May about Aaron. Well, I like that name, Luda May. Luda May. So close to Ludacris. <laughs> so close. <laughs> while all of them are gathering their things uh, to quote unquote help, um, Aaron, Aaron takes this opportunity to make a run for it. Hoyt starts walking towards the truck, and a woman from the trailer, Henrietta, that was her name, heads back inside the market, and the baby is now gone. Hoyt makes it to the to the truck, um, and Aaron is trying to hotwire. Um, he stands on the head of the truck to look inside, but he doesn't see anyone inside. He opens the door, and Aaron is able to get his get his car to start, and she hits him with his own car, then backs up. It runs over him and then runs over him a third time. And I was like, fuck yeah, overkill. Yeah. While driving, we can hear the baby cooing and she is touching the baby, comforting her. Um, and Leatherface then hits the car with his chainsaw one last time. Now, this is the part that I thought you were saying, Freddie, is that it was breaking boundaries or whatever. But initially, this particular scene is. Not only a good callback to the 74 version, but um, it also is um, something of the last scene that is a part of that movie, which was dubbed Dancing of Chainsaws. And in the first movie, he initially, uh, Leatherface is initially just dancing with these chainsaws, with the chainsaw. And he's just spinning the chainsaw around over his head and that moment where he smacks the car with the chainsaw and he does that little twirl. <laughs> I actually really and liked then, it. Yeah, it's it's actually really good. It's a really clever thing. And initially, that's a good jump scare. Even though it didn't, it wasn't that loud to get us, it was completely unexpected. Exactly. And when, Freddie, when you mentioned there was one good jump scare, that's, this is the one I thought of when he brought it up. Yeah. yeah, this is the one I thought you were talking about too. Wasn't talking about this, but it was a pretty good jump scare because it's unexpected. Yeah. It's like, oh, she's in the car. She's yeah. good. She's safe. Glad you agree. It's just like that right. one last, oh, I'm about to get you, but didn't really get you. Yeah. I like how he can like grin and frown inside of the mask, though. Yeah, yeah like you barely like, see it. How, how much is that attached to your face? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Uh then there is a police officer who uh, is talking from earlier and talking and taking the camera deeper into the furnace room. While they are going deeper, Leatherface kills both of the men and then 
the narrator starts to tell us that the crime scene wasn't properly secured. Yeah, no fucking shit. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the two police officers were fatally wounded. Um, we get one last shot of Thomas Hewitt, a.k.a. Leatherfaced, and the man saying that the case still remains open till this day. Then, credits. Wow. What a ride. <laughs> it was definitely a ride. Yeah. Definitely oh, a crazy man. movie. Like I said, I I enjoy this movie because, one, it's fun. I, I I do have a lot of fun with this movie. I, I I'm not bored when yeah. I watch this movie, um, but I also understand its flaws, and I understand that this movie could be 100 percent better. Uh, but it is what it is. Um, but I got some movie facts for us. Movie, movie facts. facts. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> All right. Uh huh. Erica Lear Henson. Scream so loudly during the screen test that people in other parts of the building have to call the police. Oh, wow. To report that the woman was being attacked. God damn. That's pretty convincing stuff. By the way, Erica uh, Learson is Pepper. She is Pepper. After learning about the remake, Andrew Brianarski. Nailed it. Leatherface uh, went up to the producer, Michael Bay, at a Christmas party and personally asked him for the role. So he was able to reprise his role initially. Mm. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. That was so cool. Um, uh, During the scene that the van with R. Lee Emery and Jonathan Tucker, Tucker forced the gun down his throat in order to make himself vomit every take. Oh, if you damn. watch carefully, you could see him spit the vomit out of his mouth in the same scene. Ooh. Because remember when he points the gun back at him? Yeah. And it's like all that spit? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was actually throw up. Ugh. Damn. What the hell? God fucking damn. Dude. That's wild. Yeah. That's, that's dedication. A little too much. Um... There's a homage to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1974 regarding each film leading ladies Aaron and Sally in the original. In the remake, Aaron pulls out a knife to pick a lock. Um, when asked where she got it from, she replies, from my brother. In the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Sally's brother, Franklin, is obsessed with his knife. And at one point uh, in the film, he gives the knife to Sally. Mm. She never returns it. Cool callback. That is a cool callback. Uh, Lauren German, who plays the hitchhiker, originally auditioned for the role of Aaron. Hmm. Well, say that one more time. Lauren German, uh-huh. uh, the girl that was picked up, the hitchhiker. Oh, yeah, interesting. Blew her face off. <laughs> uh, she uh, auditioned for the role for Aaron. But once again, uh, Jessica Biel was a little bit more well-known. Right. At yeah. That point oh, time. damn. That's crazy. At least she shot her mm-hmm. shot. It's terrible. Oh, oh my God. God. That's terrible. <laughs> oh, my God. Frederick. <laughs> You you stop! It's right not there. my fault. It blew up in her face. Oh my god! Oh, oh my wow. god! <laughs> the original <laughs> script: the hitchhiker was a fifteen to sixteen year old girl. The <laughs> filmmakers later decided to change her age to make her the same age as the uh, principal cast. Uh, probably didn't want to show a kid, you know. I don't know how you didn't end the episode. With All Freddy's the stuff line. Freddie said. <laughs> you know how you know how what? I don't know how you didn't just end the episode after Freddie's line. 
like that would have been like just <laughs> it was that good. If, if this was the good night podcast, you know. <laughs> um a deleted subplot detailed Aaron being pregnant, which is why when they went to Mexico, she didn't drink the water or smoke weed as they talked about in the final cut. Oh shit. What? That would have been, been an awesome line to add here. Damn, miss opportunity. Yeah. It that definitely nice would have that would have had us jump in our feels a little bit more too. Exactly. Hmm, interesting. Uh one more here. Um while the film's introduction and ending are tailored to appear to be based on a series of, of true events, the film's plot is complete work of fiction. The film is inspired by the murderous acts of Ed Gein, a Wisconsin-based serial killer that was infamous for uh, exhuming corpses as well as decorating his home with body parts of his victims. Gein also confessed to wearing the tan skinned, uh, the tan skin of a woman as a suit. Yup. That's where that's where this comes from. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, one more because I found this one interesting. Kirsten Dunst, Katie Holmes, and Jessica Alba were all considered to play Aaron. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I thought that was super interesting. I can't imagine the others in the role, honestly. I can't. Uh, I can maybe imagine Jessica Alba. That's mostly her. I cannot imagine her in the role. Yeah, really. I can see Kristen yeah. Dunst before Jessica Alba. No, I can see Jessica Alba because of idle hands. Oh, like she has she she has a horror background. Oh, I don't that movie. I like she she has the horror background. Oh my god, that movie's a blast from the past in my memories. My goodness, I idle love hands. That movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think the only horror esque movie that Kristen Dunst really has done was Interview with the Vampire. <laughs> That's not a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah. But anyway, this was The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Let us know what you guys actually thought about this movie. Um, or if you just want to bag on this movie, we want to hear it too. I mean, I'm, I'm down. I'm down to make fun of it. Why not? Why not? But let us know over on Twitter, at GoodNightLife. Um, but before you guys go, the next movie that we will be watching, and... I'm very excited to announce this one, everybody. It, Chapter One, from 2017. I'm stoked. Quite excited to watch that. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it in a few years, so I'm really excited to revisit this movie again. It'll be my first time. I know. That's why I'm really excited for you to watch it. Isn't that crazy? It's so popular. I've been wanting to watch it forever. I actually put it on the list because you said that you've been wanting to watch this movie forever. Aw, thanks. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to give him a reason to now watch this movie. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm very excited for you to see it. I, I really, I'm really intrigued on, on how that's going to cap out our, our Dead in the Sun month. That movie's based in June. There's kids. They're out of school. It, it's, just, it's, it's just going to be an absolute blast. And I absolutely adore that movie. So pre-spoilers for anybody. Because that was my movie of the year of 2017. So damn pre-spoilers for everybody. Um, but hey, it is what it is. I'm surprised that you didn't see it though, because I played it when I used to work with you guys a lot. Uh, honestly, I'm <laughs> like, surprised I haven't watched it stuff. either. The only yeah. reason I haven't watched it is because the only way to watch that movie is you have to rent or buy it. It's not streamed anywhere, but Chapter Two is. Yeah, Chapter Two, I think, is on HBO. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, actually, I think Chapter One's on HBO. It, I don't, I don't, know. I don't think it is. I've it, looked recently, too. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, you're probably right then. Yeah. Joker just made it to HBO, though. But anyway, this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. And on the other end there, we had David. Spoopy Boys. Spoopy Boys. Also known as Nightly. On the other end there, we have Freddy. Always. He's probably very tired. Keeping it spoopy. <laughs> I'm actually pretty awake now. Damn it. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, shit. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, also known as Nighty Night. But hey, our efforts to get this show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's night with a what? Okay. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. New episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories, if you're brave enough. (laughs) 